So you don't remember being at the World Cup? No. You don't remember winning that final? No. For me now, it's like there's like an empty void there for CTE. And on my scanners, there's like big yellow slugs really? going for the middle and stuff. And then I had a massive low and I was thinking about, I had my shotguns and stuff then because I was hunting. And I just thought, I'm just going to do myself here. So you were prepared to take your own life with a shotgun? Yeah. The stories and stuff like that, like there's, there's people want to hear about World Cups and want to hear stuff like that and there's nothing there. That World Cup medal, does that mean anything to you? No. There's no emotional attachment to it, nothing. Actually, no, I... I, I what was I saying then? Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Steve Thompson is a Rugby World Cup winner whose life was turned upside down at the age of 40 with onset dementia. Trigger warning. This is a really raw conversation where Steve opens up about his suicidal thoughts just days before this interview. He's an absolute wonderful human being who deserves all the support he can get. This is the eventful life of Mr. Steve Thompson. Tomo, welcome to the show, mate. Cheers for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, mate. Very much so. Yeah, very much. Um, let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you end up becoming a World Cup winner? It's not the usual rugby story, especially with all those lads going private school and all that that you used to play with. <laughs> Um, I, I started playing rugby quite late. I was about 15, 16 when I started. Um, just so you know, sorry, if I start stuttering or forget, just fine, jump in. Yeah, mate, fine. I'm not, relax, if, mate. I'm not one of those, if you stutter, people say don't jump in, but with me, just jump in because I'm fine. losing it. Um, yeah, I was, <clears throat> well, I was born in Hemel Hempstead, but literally never really lived there, I think. And my parents split up when I was really early. Um, dad was a policeman. Um, mum, don't know what she'd done to be fair. Um, and when they split up and that, then I got sent to Norfolk to live with my grandparents for a while. Um, and just got some like fond memories of like Cromer, North Walsham, mm. and all that sort of stuff. So that's why I'm a Norwich City fan as well. Because when I was older, I used to go there to see my other nan. And she, her husband used to take me on the bus all the way to Carroll Road and stuff. So I loved it. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, it was just a bit different. You know, the family was a bit stressed at home and stuff like that. So, you know, we lived on the Eastern District, they called it in, in Northampton, which was like a big council estate, really. Um, at the time, I just thought it was not like lovely place, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You played out, you know, you didn't, didn't go in for dinner, you'd done whatever you wanted. Um, police helicopter was over the top all the time, catching people and, and you know, people were nicking the uh, posty van all the time and stuff like that. And they even banned the postman in uh, Bellinge for a while because he kept getting shot with an air rifle every <laughs> one. So it's like, you know, and, you know, for me, life was just playing outside, sport, up the fields, up the, we had the woods near us and stuff. And it was a bit like, you know, I thought, any, any sort of child was really yeah. brilliant. Um, but then suddenly, you know, 
I started getting pushed out to work and stuff. So I started doing a milk round when I was 12. The bloke who, who the milkman had gangrene in his leg. So I'd have to go and do like the milk round with him before school. Mm. I can remember sitting there about five o'clock in the morning, just thinking, oh, I don't want to hear it. And then all you hear is that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's turned up, it's like that, do you know what I mean? And the old electric. Yeah, 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 just like. So I used to drop off the milk bottles like, like on the way to school, thinking they're the ones like the fresh orange juice and that. So I knew I could nick them later <laughs> and stuff. So it was like, that was perfect. And um, in those days they used to do a loaf of bread. They used to do everything, didn't they? So yeah. it's like, right. So we used to, I used to like, you know, do that. And then I had a couple of paper rounds as well. And, you know, so I had a bit of money when I was younger and, you know, mum would take it off me and use it. So I had to pay rent and stuff, even mm -hmm. if I was like 12, 13 and stuff. And she was a bit of a pain in the ass. My oldest sort of stepsister left home. I thought she must've left home when she was about 15, I think mm -hmm. the first time. And uh, and then, you know, it's it's one of them. I've, I've seen friends now that I've, because of everything that's going on with me now, like I've got a big nostalgia of my old sort of life, and mm -hmm. I've just got big chunks missing in my twenties, and or most of my twenties missing. So I'd, I'd done a TV documentary, and we went back, and it was man, I hadn't been back there for years, twenty years or so, but I could tell you every house who lived in that house, cars, everything. It yeah. was just like unbelievable. It was just like it was just so pure there, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's to go back, and it was like so small and so sort of shithole really mm. and you know it's it's sort of all and, that, and it was quite sad I think going back there and stuff because you see it and I had so many sort of happy memories but then when I look at it it's you know we just done I just done what I wanted yeah. really yeah what was school life like for you I just I, I, I liked school to be honest I always thought you know, I, I never understood people at wag school because it was like you get fed there which was good mm. and you're there with your mates. Mm, having a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a bit like, you know, <clears> and it's, you know, I was, you know, when, when people say I was a bit of a, bit of a toe rag, as they say at times, and messed around and, you know, but I love my sport. So it's brilliant because you've done all the sporting teams there. Mm. Um, and, you know, it just sort of kept you off the street where I was yeah. really. Um, and it was one of them in the old days. If if you didn't go, you'd, you'd, you'd get dragged to school and yeah. stuff like that. and given a slap and mm. teachers if it weren't right mm. they'd have a go at you and, and give you a slap as well yeah, do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and if you went home and complained that the teacher would have a go at you and stuff you get a slap at home slap for being rude <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's like <laughs> and that's where you know I've, I've got my, my, my kids now and it's sometimes I think they sort of they're too nice to kids I yeah. think it's at, at sometimes enough discipline isn't yeah it? exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and uh there's too much of this letters after kids' names yeah. and stuff because there's something wrong with them. And it's yeah. like, no, they're just a little arsehole. And yeah. I say that about my own yeah. at times. <laughs> and did you feel it was nice for you to, with your upbringing, obviously was was tough and rough. Was it nice for you to have a community of people around you and being really good at something? That, that's that's what it was, you know. Not, I think I was the hardest on myself. Like, always thought I was going to get dropped. Always thought. And then, you know, I went for a period when I was about six, 17, 18, 17, I think it was, a few months of just losing my way, really. Yeah. And, you know, I was just turning up. I was, you know, got myself out of shape a bit and stuff and just took it for granted. And there was a coach, um, Matt Bridge, and he, I, I just started getting like unfit and stuff. So he, he just said, right, I'm dropping you, you're not playing. And everyone's like, you can't drop him. Like, yeah. I was like one of the sort of better players yeah. and scoring at that level. And he's like, no, 
he said, you lot are carrying him. What for him to do like a few minutes? So after, so I started doing a little bit of fitness and he said, right, you're back in the squad this week, but I'm going to play you as much as you give us in a game. I'm just going to get you that towards the end. I was like, all right. First game back, he put me on for the last minute. And he says, yeah, you might score a couple of tries, yeah. but that's all you give us. Yeah. Okay. So that's what yeah, and then the next week it was five minutes, okay. and then and then I got fitter Clever. and fitter and Clever. fitter, and then suddenly it was like, <clears throat> and it's all these little le like I, that's what I said like I was I was really lucky to have like amazing people in my life, mm. you know, <clears throat> him, Mark Lee, but like I said, Keith Picton was the big one for yeah. me. He was one of them. It's like proper old school. You come out of the shower and you have you'd have a fag like that in the changing room, and we're only like under nineteens and yeah. stuff like that. And as you walk past him, you'd be like walking without the towel over your shoulder, and he'd be like. Just put the fag out on your ass. Like, 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 <laughs> don't walk around like a porn star in here. And, and he was like, "You've got nothing to show off, so put it away." Like, and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It was just quality, and it was just like one of these blokes. And you know, we'd be on the back of the bus and on coming back from games like in Bath and down Exeter and stuff like that, and we'd have a few beers and stuff. And he'd hear that I'd got into a bit of trouble, like and been rude to people in town or something yeah. like that. And in those days, if you had even if you had a youth team tie. You were automatically kicked out of the club because right. the club was like yeah. the town and stuff like that, and you represented that. And he just stuck with me because he knew I was a good lad, really. But I just had that edge, and not normally it was like me looking after my mates, yeah. and they were like, so it's like, right. So he's like, right, stay on the bus. And the thing is, like these bus journeys were miles long. Yeah. One toilet would be overflowing. Yeah. One of the lads might have been sick or something <laughs> like that, and I'd have to stay behind and clean it up. And wow. that'd be his. He's like, look, you you gonna clean this bus up? Because like your behaviour and that, I should kick you out, but I'm not going to. Fair play. And then we, I, he got us. There was a the last ever proper amateur tour type thing was to America, and we went to Columbus and Chicago, and um, I was I was working then as well, and I just couldn't get enough money, so we got someone to sort of sponsor me, and then when I got, finally got on the plane, I had a few quid, but then he came up with a like big stash of dollars and oh, stuff. He went, look, mate. Don't worry about anything. Oh. And he just taught me little, yeah, little looks because he knew like I was. I weren't blagging. I was just. I was having to pay rent then. I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was having to do everything properly. And then I just thought I can't go. And he he just sort of looked after me and got people. And I must admit that that tour was just like phenomenal. Yeah, just I bet. really like, opened my eyes. And um, you know, it's it was him. And when you talk about coming down, like when I will go on to it later. But you know, I was in Cyprus after Dubai and. I was falling apart, crying in the garden, didn't know what was going on because everything on my, mm. and he passed away. Right. And I had, I don't know, about five, no, about four pounds, 70 something in my bank account, couldn't fly back, just didn't have the money. And when I was in Cyprus and I couldn't get back to his funeral and stuff, mm. and it was like really yeah, sort of hard and, and stuff. And when I speak to the lads about it, it was, I was like, what's, what's going on? And they said like, he wouldn't come to my first games for England. He said, no, no, no. He said, everyone can play games for England and get down. And he was thinking, right. And he said, but when you make your 50th, he said, I'll come to that because that's when you... you Where's, did he go? And of course, I got injured. And I'm 47 or 48. So that was me finished. And then one of the reasons I came back uh, yeah. was to make sure I could get back Brilliant. so he could... Be proud. Mm. That's amazing, mate. Tell me about your journey at Northampton and how long were you playing at Northampton before before you got your first England cap? Uh, what was it? 2002 was my first two. cap. So you had five years at Northampton, yeah, roughly five, six years. Five years, but then it was two years before, it was like 2000, 
99, 2000 when I changed to hooker. So I'd right, gone okay. to a completely different, and then I've been playing it two years, bit of two years of, and that's it, of playing hooker. Isn't that phenomenal? You can do two years of playing hooker and go and play England for 70 odd caps. Mm, just go show there was no one else around. <laughs> <laughs> or you were clearing up, which so, I think you were, mate. And, um, you know, it was. What sort of money were you on at Northampton? Do you remember when it turned pro from that 96 up to getting your first cap in <clears> 2002? Can you remember how your money went? Well, I can remember at the beginning, I was on. They put me in with Matty Stewart, living with Matty Stewart for a while, who's. Uh, he, he played at Blackheath, then yeah. he came to the ex army as well. Yeah. And then he played for Scotland. You get one of these typical Scots that, all right, mate, how are you doing? Like that. How are you doing? Like, a bit like, sounds a bit like you, you know what I mean? But playing for Scotland. Scotland yeah. It's all right. He's had some haggis. Get him in. Get him in. And. Um, and he, he, he rooming in with, or living in his house was a nightmare. They paid they paid the rent for me, and then I think I was on fifty quid a week. Wow! So I had to pay my bills out of that and stuff. And and this was full time. Yeah, yeah. Wow! And I was I was doing my carpentry apprenticeship. Yeah. And it was a bit like, well, you got to make a decision now, yeah. that or that. And looking at it now, I wish I'd have just carried gone. Do you know what? I know, but I don't sign that. But I wish I'd have got that and. As well as and just well, carried on your carpentry yeah. as well as your rugby, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how did that grow then? Because you can't be working on fifty quid a week for, for very long. Was there a point when they come and they went, you know what, you've earned your stripes. Now we're going to put you on a proper contract. Yeah, but I'm trying. To... I can't like. Yeah. Remember, I yeah. wouldn't even have a clue what money was around. I know it's nowhere near what people thought. Yeah. Was it start off like six grand, twelve grand, twenty five yeah, grand, like that, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it grew yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what was the what was the movement like then for you getting your first training camp? Did someone come in and say, Right, England are calling, we want you to come and train with us, so you get on? <clears throat> well it was a weird one because I'd had enough of it. Like the, the throw malarkey and stuff was just the piss, what the what? line up throwing right, and stuff okay, like that. Yeah. And because like, you play rugby and then you do all that and it's like when you're throwing in, it's like you throwing in, so trust me, I can make a can actually that myself, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Without having to look at these big dopey blokes trying to get up in the air and someone lift them, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. a bit like, so so much can go wrong. Yeah. And it was like, I'd been talked up so much about my game around the park and all this sort of stuff. And then suddenly it's like, they've got to find something. So they just kept going on that. Even if it was, I was doing all right in my line out front, mm. and it was like, well, and they just, you know, what the press are like and stuff. So you're like, and I thought, do you know what? I'd like to go rugby league, I think. Really? Yeah, and I so I looked and then, I was with a lad called Andy Norvey who played for St. Helens and that, and then I'd played a game up there against Oral. While you were still at Northampton? Yeah. And they didn't no, 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 not for okay. the Rugby League, for Northampton okay. against oh, Oral. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's when they used to have the Rugby League scouts yeah, up there. that's right. And we'd had this big punch up and I'd gone over and just punched the coach, their coach, on the side of the pitch. It was just like, it all went off and it was like, right, you're getting it, <laughs> whack, like that. And so it was all, and then my best mate from school, James Mitchell, JJ, he didn't. He just got battered and got sent off. And there was me, me and stuff like that. And But then the rugby league lads, so they asked me to come up and the St. Ellen's were interested in, in me going up there. So I was gonna go up there and I, at the time I had this little clapped out XR2i and it just broke down on the day off and I was gonna drive up there and look at signing for St. Ellen's and mm -hmm. stuff. Didn't, Frederico Mendes got injured and he was the hooker, starting hooker at Northampton. So I got chucked in, mm. scored two tries, and then caught the fullback from behind, Michael Horak. Mm. 
Oh, from, at Leicester? Yeah, yeah. But he was at London Irish then. Was he? Okay. And I caught him from behind, like try to save tackle and all this yeah. stuff, and then got called into the England squad after that. And that was within 2000 or 2001. Wow. Before I got there. Um, under Clive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that was that was me going in there. Tim took me up there. But then... Um, Where did he take you? Penny Hill Park? Penny Hill Park, yeah. Okay. Okay. And how was that feeling for you going to Penny Hill Park, which is like one of the nicest five-star country clubs in well, the UK? Well, the problem is I thought some little twat was trying to nick my bag when I got there. Because I put my bags down, someone starts walking off, and I thought, "Fuck, what's this all about?" Like he's just fucking picked my bag like in front of us. So I pushed him, and Tim's just gone, "Oh my god, oh, no. oh my god, <laughs> what like, the porter?" <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I thought that it was like these things, like where they come and take your bag, yeah. and, and I was just like, "What's going on?" And they're just like, "Oh, what is going on here?" Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but it just goes to show, like Northampton with this, like, so when I I started playing for the first team a little bit, and and that's the thing about Northampton is such a good club because mm. like youth team games supporters go and watch that yeah. and they knew like the local talent that was coming yeah. through and then the Chronicle and Echo done a piece on me and it's like Steve Walter saved from a life of crime by rugby and it's all in there and it's funny so everyone's been clapping me and stuff and then suddenly the next couple of weeks that comes out and then you go in the clubhouse and you can see everyone going oh yeah my wallet my, my wallet's in there he's from the Eastern District and stuff <laughs> like that and just and then of course then, then I changed my name back to Thompson. Why did you change your name back? Because I didn't want that prick's name. Okay. So I got rid of that straight yeah. away and went back to my dad, dad's name. And um, best thing I'd done. And, but it's funny because people like, you supporters were like, yeah, he looks like like Steve Wold, don't he? He runs like him and like, he plays, but like, obviously it's different, it's just a different Steve, Tom, uh, it's a different, different name. name. <laughs> you know, they've signed another young kid, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, all right, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, oh God. So, um, but we, you know, like I said, the, the, the big thing there was the honour of getting your first team tie. Yeah. And my first team tie was against, oh, it's up north, filed. Yeah, okay. In the, one of those Cheltenham Gloucester Cup yeah, things. Yeah. And I can remember my mates were getting their ties midweek before I was against like the police and RAF and Cambridge and Oxford. And I was sitting there like, and I was younger, a year, two years, three years younger than someone. And yeah. I was just sitting there thinking, I want that. Yeah. I want that. Why, why aren't I getting that? You know, I'm, I, I can do better now. I know I can and stuff. Yeah. And it was like I was hungry, but then when you speak to it, it was all about like just making me more hungry. And they mm. were saying, and they, we knew it, but we just literally just holding keeping your back, back yeah. holding me back, ready to go. Yeah. Tell me about your movements with England. Going in, you went first cap in twin, uh, 2002, yeah. roughly, I think. What What was the movements like that for you? What was it like being in the England setup? What was it like being around all the players you may have looked up up to? What was that feeling like? Or did you not look up to any of the players? You thought, right, just bring it on. Yeah, it's like it's hard because that's where my memory's gone. Yeah. That's where I don't get any like when I speak about the younger day, I'll get like excited yeah. and stuff like that. And there's like it's just bizarre, there's just nothing there. So me going there, turning up in camp and all this lot, it's just talking to my mates and what, what they used to say. Yeah. And um like my mate mate for Eves was tell, like he's sort of he's like my memory bank really for mm. that time <clears throat> and he, he said oh you, you you plan at Twickenham and you were going to come out for a couple of beers he said but it's quite funny because we had your car and stuff so I was the youngest so I came back and all my mates were at the game you know saying? and then it was literally I got upstairs for the first beer and he went you're not drink, drink, drinking tonight so what do you mean he said, and they're all drunk 
and he just passed me went you're driver tonight and you're the youngest no so, notions don't no notions <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. You're the youngest, you yeah. drive, you make the cup of tea. I went, on my days off when I got home, cup of tea. You have mm. to make cups of tea for all them and stuff because I was the youngest. Was, what was it like playing with some of those players though? What was it like playing with Jono and uh, <clears throat> Lewis and all, all the players who were there who were big faces? Like I said, for me, like, was, there's nothing there with that. Like, don't what, literally, get, literally nothing. zilch? No, like, I can remember playing at the Saints in 2000, just 2000 with... Pat Lamb, yeah. Gary Pagel, mm. Federico Mendez. So we hadn't practiced 60 stone front row when we were playing then. It was me, Gary and Freddie. Yeah. And then we had this other Skelso who was just, just as big, if not bigger. And, you know, he was just massive. And then, but then that's where it starts going. So when I spoke to the specialist, it's like, I don't understand like what's, and he said, well, what it's like, it's like where your brain was damaged at those periods of time. Yeah. It's like, having like a camera so your camera's there but it's got no SD card in Yeah. so it's not and now like some of my mates back then have spoke to me and read my book and yeah. stuff like that they've sort of gone do you know it was so obvious now that you suffer from brain injuries Yeah. mood swings yeah. tiredness where you were like just flipping out doing stuff just and they used to think like oh I was just a bit mad Yeah. and that now it's just like it's wow. totally obvious of what yeah what so you don't remember being at the world cup no you don't remember winning that final no don't don't remember being in australia i was with lewis um and ben and that documentary year, yeah yeah and lewis bless him is pulling out like pictures of us in rib places and coffee shops and stuff yeah. and it's like i wouldn't have a clue not a clue and it's like i'm like and i'll get no emotional attachment to it nothing and it's like in the documentary when i that garage I go into is yeah. not my garage. It makes it look like it's my, but it's not, yeah. it's my mate. So I had to phone people because they were like, oh, can we have some of your, excuse me, some of your um, memorabilia. memorabilia. Yeah. I was like, I ain't got it. Well, where's, where's your medal? I was like, I ain't got it. I was like, oh, where's your MBE? And I'm like, I ain't got it. And they said, where is it? I went, I, I don't know. So I had to phone my mates up, say, look, have you got any of my stuff and that? And then suddenly Heath's went, oh yeah, I've got a bag of yours in the garage. And that's this bag yeah. and it's like got a few jerseys in it and and as we recorded these missus oh there's like an EA like one of those bags yeah. that you pull like that over there so and that's when we open it and that's why the medals like was rusty and all that sort of and it's just been in their garage and it's funny because they leave their garage open all the time <laughs> anyway so it's like and it's all there and it was like oh okay so that, that World Cup medal does that mean anything to you? No it's like when it all the news broke and you're there and you're watching it on TV, it's just like, just a fat ugly bloke there playing too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like a bit slimmer than I am now. And it's like, it, it's just like I'm watching England now. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, no sort of feeling or anything. Whereas I talk about like East Midlands yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, I can see it. Love it, hear it. love yeah. it. Yeah. But with that, there's like, there's, you know, it's true, I, I feel like a phony note. Because I was talking to people about, people who ask me questions and it's like, I go through, I was going through emotion because when I was a kid, you know him, mm. Trevor Morley, mm. broke my heart. Yeah. Um, he was at the Cobblers. Like, yeah, you know, was he? Yeah, he was legend at the Cobblers. Quality player, yeah. We won the fourth division yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that with yeah. him and that. And he was like, brilliant, loved it. So I waited for um, a signature mm. after one of the games and I was like, oh, Mr. Morley, and he just went, 
fuck off, not another one. No. And he was like a bit, and do you know what? I always thought to myself, if that, if I ever make anything for myself, I never want to be like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I hope I haven't been, and I try not to be, mm. and I just always try and give people time yeah. and stuff like that, because, you know, what we do is, well, fun really, it's mm. like PE sort of thing, and mm. it was hard, yeah. but, you know, I, I love doing proper jobs, like 12 hour shifts. Yeah on the water pipes and stuff like that. So know? how did your life change then? I know you can't remember that sort of period. How did your life change financially? You've gone, all of a sudden, you're playing for England, you're playing for Northampton, proper contracts, it's growing and growing. I can't remember what you were getting paid back then. Can you remember how much you were getting paid for per England game? Was it 15 grand a game? No, it was less than that. Was it less, was it? Yeah, yeah. Tens? Yeah, something like that, I think. And you had 70 odd caps. Did you find that your lifestyle was improving? Did you find that you were? That's, that's what I mean. Like For me now, it's like there's like an empty void there. Like of all that stuff, stuff, yeah. Like it's this picture of me with cars and pictures, and I'm like, yeah. Now I drive a little clapped out A class. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love it. Just bobbing around and yeah. and stuff, and and it's like, you know, I just don't get. It's like I see, I see pictures, and it's like it's not me. So I, I get like no emotional yeah. attachment to it at all. Is it just literally? It's like you know when people say about me going to France, like. I sort of, it's like I woke up in France for a bit and suddenly like, what am I here for? I don't know what, I don't know why I'm here. And they said, you'd literally, my head just went and it's like, I'm leaving. I was, I was, I was in three or four year contract at Northampton and I've just gone, I'm leaving. But you literally one day said, get me out of here. Yeah. I'm going to France. Yeah. And everyone's like, where's this come from? And it was like, and that's, it's all that. What year was it you moved to France, roughly? About two Seven, I two think. seven, and what was the reason then? Was it the pressure? Was everything building up? Did you find? Did you find that after the World Cup? Did you go to the two thousand and seven World Cup? No, because I broke my neck. Broke your neck just before, yeah. And that's the thing. Like I don't, I don't know that period. Like that period, I yeah. didn't. It's, it's just bizarre because I'm talking about it now, and it's mm. just like I'm trying to think of someone else's story. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. Just and, and piece it together. Yeah, and it's. You know, well, can you remember why you decided to go to France? No, and that's why in the book, uh, Paul Grayson was talking, it was like, apparently my head just went and I, I kicked off and I don't know what, just I just just went on my mouth. Like it was just, apparently my life was all sort of normal and then suddenly just everything just- Exploded. Yeah, and looking at it now, you know, we can, you can see sort of the that periods, happens, yeah. yeah. What was that like going to France? Who who teed you up to go to France? Who was who was there for you? Did you have a house waiting for you? Was there a contract waiting for you? Can you remember? No, that's nothing. Like you know, I, there's someone around at Simon Gillum. Um, I can remember him from Breathe, but I can't remember anything. It was just like, like I said one time, just got, and then I had a massive low, and I was thinking about fuck, like what's going on. Like I'm just gonna. I had my shotguns and stuff then because I was hunting, and I just thought I'm just going to do myself here. I just, it, I just did this big like, what's going on? Like, imagine sort of waking up, and when I spoke to the specialist, it's like, well, that's when perhaps your brain, because of the injury, and you weren't training, you weren't playing, the information sort of thing, so that you know, it sparked like a little bit of a mm. memory sort of thing, and then mm. suddenly I started playing again, and it just went bad again. So you were prepared to take your own life with a shotgun? Yeah. And just like, and the reason didn't I didn't have the cartridges upstairs, and like the vault downstairs and stuff, and it was just like, 
and then like I said, then France has just just gone again like that. That went, and then you said it it went, but in in France, didn't you break your neck? No, no, I've done it before at Northampton. Before at Northampton, okay. And then I came back in France. So when you broke your neck, that's when you retired. Yeah. Yeah, but then you ended up in France. Yeah, because apparently I've I've I'd already signed to go to France. Yeah. Before I broke my neck. So I was okay. like, I'm out of here, and then suddenly a few weeks later, broke my neck, and then went to France. Let's not let's Imagine. not gloss over bro- uh, break your neck. Where did you break your neck? Uh, C five six had a disc replacement. It is called. And then so they literally just take it out and then put a ball and socket joint in there and stuff like that. So, and then you know it was. What were the consequences? What 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 they saying was going to happen? What were they telling you at that time? That's what. That's what I've, I don't remember you. Yeah, okay. And this is the big thing. Like, I like that's no, like, I had the reunion, Northampton reunion the other week. I got invited to in London. It's like I meet up with some of the lads that I play youth with, and mm. I'll see it on LinkedIn and mm. Twitter and stuff like that. Lads that I played East Midlands with, and I sit and I see them, and it gives me like excitement. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it sounds bad. The Northampton ones, it's not like I don't like people and that, I just don't know them. And I was just thinking. Why am I going to go and sit in London with people going, oh, you must remember this. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I know, you must remember this. Yeah. And it's like, a lot of times I just go on, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. that was a good time. And I'm thinking, I haven't got a scoop of what you're yeah. talking about. And my life now has just sort of shrunk massively into like my little safe areas yeah. of doing stuff. And um, and that's just how, you know, it's all just sort of changed really. So when you went to Breathe, you carried on your contract even though you'd broken your neck? I started coaching there okay. and working for the company. So they honoured it and said, look, come, come it was out not and coach. Even a contract. No, they gave me a working contract. Okay, which meant? I was working for the Dorishball group who owned the rugby yeah. club. Okay. And how did you enjoy that? Or were you frustrated that you wanted to get back on the pitch again? Well, I was 150 kilos, 154 kilos. I put a bit of weight on. 154? Yeah. When you're out there? Yeah. Jeez. And then... And then it was like, right, I've got the all clear. Just went for a checkup and got the all clear on my neck. Yeah. And they said, right, it's fine. Like it's it's, br- it's more than fine. It's brilliant. Like the yeah. way it's done, it's you know that's yeah. And now people, other people have played with it or something like that. So right, fine. But I was 154 kilos, so I started started to train. Yeah. It was just like pff, bloody hell. Yeah. So then in six weeks, I lost 30 kilos. I just over 30 kilos in six weeks. I had a um, what's his name Bernard Four, I think his name was yeah. and he was like ex-marathon champion or time holder for France yeah. and he was like a specialist in triathlon mm. between bike and run mm. so he came in Brilliant. and just done one on one for me and like I said I literally everyone said oh, he, after my first session he was like he can never be a, a professional rugby man again yeah. and then six weeks later I was like Phew. ready to go again yeah. amazing did you get an insurance claim for your neck? Yeah, I had to pay it all back. So you had to make a decision to pay all that insurance money back just to get you back on the rugby field again? Yeah. And it's funny because my mates tell me, like, they're like, you idiot. I said, why? They said, because you went to France, you took it, and then the euro and the pounds yeah. flipped, like yeah. currency money. So I ended up losing everything, really. But did you think about that before? Did you think, you know what, I don't care, I want to get back playing rugby? Yeah, and also like the the drive. I've always had a drive in me. Like that Keith Picton. Yeah. To get out fifty cats. 
And what cap? Do you remember what, roughly what caps you were on before you went? Forty-seven. To oh, really? So you had three when to I got go injured, and get. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then when you started playing again at Breathe, was it like, oh my god, I've got this back. I can do this. Did you contact? Were people keeping an eye on you? Was Clive keeping an eye on you? Or yeah. Or no, Jono. Jono. Jono keeping an eye on you. Yeah. And, um, but when, like, when I came back, that's when, because training there was just mental as well. In, in terms uh, of yeah, and talking because Alex Popham was there, yeah. So of course he suffered from this as well. And then when he's talking, he was saying like, we used to do full contact on a Friday, yeah. day before the match. They used to just bring in the opposition, and then we used to just, and then once again, memory's gone. Yeah. And it's like, pff. where do you think all this? brain damage came from was it do you think it's coming from playing on the Saturday or do you think it was the training at Northampton and the training in England and it's the training side you know when I spoke spoke to them it's like they say they call it sub concussions yeah so I had the big concussions that knocked me unconscious which I had quite a few of like laying there and they're like oh don't worry about it. he's just having a little sleep he'll be all right in a minute or you're hitting the, the scrum machine and then as the pressure comes off you pass out so you sort of hit the floor and everyone else carries on playing and you're sort of there on the floor just yeah. looking like that. So they, they reckon that it's equivalent of like 80,000 to 100,000 sub-concussions they've tried to work out that we would have had because we'd be doing contact training hours on end in the week. Whereas now, World Rugby have turned around on the back of us coming out saying they haven't changed it to compulsory, but they've they've advised fifteen minutes of contact a week, and we were doing hours. Yeah, hours. So, you know, you yeah. do you know what I mean? You, <laughs> mm. it was literally it was legalized violence in the week. Yeah, and it was like right, you lot, we're paying you. It's the full time job, so you're going you're going to do full time hours. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like the owners and everyone really was very much like you're not having an easy life because it's like a thing. You you've got to be there. We've got to be seen working hard. Yeah. You've got to be seen doing that and. How was it for you then in training? Were you like, you know, you're a tough man, you're a tough man on the pitch and off the pitch with a big heart, but actually on the pitch in training, were you like, no one's going to nick my spot. I don't care what I've got to do. I'm going to run through brick walls. Yeah. I'm going to, if I've got to be violent in training, I'll be violent in training. Yeah, everyone's got to. Training was probably more violent than Met. matches. Yeah. And, you know, I was always the youngest. So it's, I was always had that to prove. And then, I think with my insecurity sort of that kept me going because I other people had other things I I didn't this is like this is that and it was like the, like I said it wasn't the game that I was in love with it was like that bit around the lads and yeah. I was thinking like you see people that finish it's like the police and stuff like that you come out of it and you're no longer part of it mm. and it was that when I was a young kid like Fear, it was, it was like of yeah. losing yeah. my family really yeah. thinking oh, if I'm not part of this like who's going to have me yeah and that was the the big thing for me was like losing that and it was like if I lost that what what do you have can you give me some examples of what training was like at Northampton in England Northampton certainly like what well, one training session we've done a hundred live scrums in one session in one session a hundred live scrums and that's not it weren't those days now where you sort of touch and hug touch yeah, and yeah. where you like bang, bang. Bang, Headbutt. bang, yeah. we had to do 100. You look at it now, you think, you know, we just wouldn't allow that. Yeah. Um, and then there'd be like contact sessions where you just, you got the big bags and they're up against the wall and, and you'd be rucking into them. Or when we were younger, it was, we'd, we'd have to play for the second team or something on like 
the Monday night, but then it would be away, I don't know, Manchester or somewhere like that. Come back, so you're not getting back to early hours, and then suddenly you've got to be back in to be cannon fodder for the first team. So it's like sometimes you'd have to lay over the bag and they'll just be running around full pelt, kneeing you and and doing it. You know, you you you've, you you would have seen all that. You know what I mean? You're literally that, yeah. laying there and yeah. letting them like you've got to lay there as long as you can and let them kick you and stuff like that to make it hard for them to get the ball. Was there ever a point that you wanted to speak up and go, "This ain't right," or did you just think this is the, this is the norm? I don't know any different. Yeah, this you know when. <clears throat> They were saying like with injuries and stuff, you know, say you, you sort of get knocked out or something like that. It's like, oh, that's right. There's, there's some painkiller. They have some people like, just thank God you haven't done your knee or your hamstring. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and you'd be there like, oh, I've got a headache or something like that. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. That'll go. You know, don't worry about that. You know, can you run? Yeah, I can run. Yeah, you can play. Yeah. And did you find that you wanted to carry on playing because you were going to get a bonus as well? It sounds like I never... And I was just saying, I never ever thought about money. Okay. It wasn't even in your. No. Okay. No, like it's. It was more about putting that first team shirt on. Yeah. And the money will follow. Yeah, like it's just, you know, playing there and like the adrenaline with your mates. Mm. And it was like I think it was constantly driving for people to say, play, you know, he's done well there, and he, do you know what I mean, it's like that praise and stuff. I just think I just. And it's even like now, like I'm, I'm a bit like that now, do you know what I mean, with what I do? I just want to try and do everything the best the best I can. Mm. Did you ever ever have a mentor in there to help you financially, to say, look, you need to put some money away, put some money into houses? No, or Nothing at all. So nothing at the club? No, I didn't have anything at all. And of course, didn't have that structure around me. And that, so, you know, it was just... Were the England training camps just as tough? It was funny because I talked to my mates about it and they were saying like I'd come back on a Thursday on the day off and I'd just be on the sofa like I can't play I just can't physically play on Saturday what so give me an example give me an example of a season for you at your peak if you can remember that you're going to have your Northampton Northampton then you have your Six Nations how long would you be away at training camp of England if it's a Six Nations or then you go on tour in the summer how many games would you be roughly playing in that season well I think in those days, there wasn't the break either. So you used mm. to, there were breaks in the Six Nations, but you used to come back and play for your club. Yeah. So you'd you'd play like all the time, and then you'd have summer tours. So you go on the summer tours, and you come back in, and and that's what I was saying to my mate. I said, surely I'd like got rested, and they said, no, you didn't. Yeah. They said you used to come back, and the clubs used to get you because they'll say, oh, we've got some new players coming after the tour. Why don't you come and meet them? And yeah. And then they said that was you back in then, like you'd never have a holiday and never yeah. doing. You'd just be back in the club thinking, you know, they've signed a new new worker. Like you'd be like, fuck, it, I've got to get back in there. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't even give them a friendly game. I've got yeah. to be able to. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've just and I'd never, you know, I'd never back myself. They said that you'd constantly be thinking like I've got to play, train, you know, train and have my ribs injected. They were saying one time, and I even went, went to England and played with them apparently and. And that's how I was, I was playing games and stuff. And it was just like that constant of, you've got to do it. Because they're like, well, we need you to play. Because if not, you know, He's contracts are coming up and oh, all okay. this sort of stuff. And so they were, did you find they were playing mind games with you? Yeah, the mind games, yeah, all the time. And looking back now, you're thinking, hold on, mate, you were playing mind games. Like, how dare you do that? No, not... Or was it just it just what it was? Yeah, the thing is, you got you got players 
that need mind games and you've got players that don't players that need the belly rubbing you got you know it's yeah. all those different characters of, of people and mm. stuff and it, in all walks of life you've got that who's your main competitor at Northampton Saints and England can you remember there's a couple of faces who's it at Northampton who's a competitor to you your main competitor coming through Dylan Hartley no he came after yeah did he put pressure on you to nick your spot I don't think so because I can't really remember him being there yeah. I think he came right at the end okay but it would have been like not being for that would have been brilliant for yeah. me you know, you know how would you react on something like that knowing someone's trying to nick your spot in training just go for it don't you just it's like the only time I got sent off was against my best mate in, in the form rugby because he blocked my kick down and battered him <laughs> and then we both got sent off did you yeah um, but that's like it's weird now I've I've sort of lost it a bit now on medication I'm on I haven't got the drive that I had and stuff but even before that like when we were in Cyprus we had a swimming pool mm. and my well, she would have been six then or something like that mm. she's just like me Seren and we're so competitive like me and her are just same. and we'd pull each other's hair mm. we'd like literally scratch bite just to beat each other in a swimming contest <laughs> and uh and you know that's that's just the way i was yeah, with everything yeah. i'd done mm. i wanted to you know do well and i was never the most skillful it's funny because i'm teaching football now i think i think you were i think you put yourself down there but you were a really skillful player so, and you're quick and you're fast and you're as hard as nails you had you had you, you had the whole package that's why england had you in there for 10 years but i see it as like you know, you know boys can do stuff on the ball and all this stuff mm. whereas it's like I'm one of them even with my daughter I coach my daughter football and stuff I'm like and she, she, I said look have, have fun mm. do those skills but you're never mm. going to do them on the pitch mm. really so you're better off learning to kick with your left foot yeah. as well as your right foot rather Comes than doing all these yeah. and she's like oh look at my new rainbow kick and all this sort of stuff <laughs> and all, and I'm like I haven't got a clue what that is but you know and so it's, it's quite funny like you know with rugby like that I was I'd try and train my skills when mm. I was younger. It's like, right, what do I have to do? Mm. Well, I'll do that. There's no point being there doing... Did you know what a concussion was? No. Okay. Concussion, what I thought a concussion was yeah. when we were younger was totally knocked unconscious, yeah. ambulance, hospital. Yeah, same. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's what I thought it was. So yeah. them saying, oh, no, no, like, you, you're fine. You haven't got... You, you can't be concussed because, you know, you're not in hospital. Yeah. But you might be staggering all over the pitch yeah. and stuff like that. Oh no, you're fine, you're fine. And that's you know, like you like you just said, that's what it was to yeah. everyone. Yeah. Whereas now looking at it, there's been history for over a hundred years of what this does, mm. and it was just, it's just been, you know, to say hid or mm. do you know what I mean, and not advised properly. Yeah. You know, you had Paul McCory, who's the Australian like a specialist yeah. who's been done for plagiarism yeah. and everything like do you know what I mean and he was on the, one of the main advisory boards and, st and it's the stuff that's come out has just been and when it's been shocking isn't it yeah when you know two and a half years ago is it or three years even when we first came out people were saying you're disgusting so that's my belly <laughs> that's dinner. good food that was that was dinner last oh, night, mate, wasn't it? Yeah. what a feed up that was mate shout out to Gildall Tavern by the way yeah honestly, thank you seriously <laughs> like that was special. I love it? my food. So, um, remember, how many dishes they put in front of us? About sixteen dishes yeah. all in time. <laughs> but like the fish and everything, yeah. I've never That's you know quality. So yeah. when you so let's go this this let's go back there. So breathe. You 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 were injured. You had to pay back all your in, uh, insurance money. You started playing again. When did you leave breathe and come back 
And what club did you go to? Um, I went to Leeds. Yeah. And it's weird, so I could go to... Is that where you retired? Well, no, I retired at Wasps, believe it or not. So I signed Leeds and I'd done the World Cup. 2000, signed for Leeds. Yeah. 2011 was New Zealand under John Owen Lewis. And I signed a three-year deal at Wasps. And I came back and literally, like, the first week back, I think it was, I broke my neck again. So I've hit a scrum machine and done all the back of my neck. And then that was it. Were you insured? Not fully insured, no, I don't. So that's when I moved to Dubai. So that's when you were like, right, I'm out of here. I need to stop playing rugby now. And you hung up your boots Just, with 74 caps. Yeah. And what was that feeling like to say, right, I'm done? I think it was more relief, I think. Okay. And then I met Steph. I'd met Steph at the at the World Cup. Yeah. She was working for Emirates and we were there and, you know, it was just, I met her and then suddenly it was like, right, it just felt right. And I thought, Do you know what? I'm just left. London, I had a flat there. Just said to lads who stand out, just you pay the mortgage and whatever you make on top, keep for yourself, sort of thing. But as long as that mortgage gets paid, I'm fine. And then I just went off. And then what with Steph straight to Dubai? Yeah, well, met Steph there. And then this was like the January or something like that. Mm. And why Dubai? That's where she was. Where's that's where she was based? Was there? You're like, right, go out there, change your lifestyle. How was that like for you? You end up doing how many years out there in the end? What was that, 2011? Seven. Six, seven years, Six, seven yeah. years, yeah. How was that like for you? I wanted to get out when I first got there. I hated it. And she hid my passport and kept me there. So I was yeah. a bit like a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> Five-star prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why did you hate Dubai? It was just... I'm I'm more of a pub. Let's wipe your feet on the way out because you want, don't want to dirty the curb. Yeah. When you order a drink there and everything comes with fireworks and stuff like that. Yeah. And, do you mean, everyone's got to be... Ponzi and mucking, yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff and that. And then I met some really good people, like you know, um, and I started trying to get like a normal life, mm. like rather than just going out loads and yeah. socialising and, and doing. It's like right now you got to get into a real sort of life. And I met some teachers and stuff like that. It was it was brilliant. Do you know what I mean because they were the normal side to yeah. it. And then it was like right, I've got to start working. And I met a, a chap called Mike McGeever who's, he gets, I say he's like my dad. He says he's like my big brother because mm. it's like, I don't know, about 14, 15 years. Mm. I was like, well, you could have had me. You could have. <laughs> you are from up north. <laughs> and uh, and he's just been, like I, like I said, I've been really lucky in my life to have things sort of go so badly, but then have at certain points, like Keith Picton in my yeah. life. And now to have Mike in my life yeah. is just changed. You know, he had, he had cancer last year and I've never seen anyone battle it so yeah. he had the bag and everything he'd message me the next day oh you've never had one of those nights yeah. bag opened bed full of shit but he's like you know he's did he help you out out there did he get your job did yeah, he... yeah yeah so he was like Steve there's three lots of people out here Brilliant. he said there's oh what is it there's the people that want something yeah there's people that are trying to be something and there's mm. people that have made it. Yeah. And he says they're the ones that just be careful who you sort of surround with, yourself yeah. with and that. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I just got into the construction world out there. You know, I, I was doing building before when I was younger and 
and just loved it to be honest yeah. that that sort of going out getting a deal yeah. and, and stuff but then it just how was your mind when you were out there did you notice that there was changes in well this is the thing when we when i was there like i'd towards the end i'd start going to meetings and stuff and i'd didn't really need a diary. Like I'd literally knew where all the meetings was, and I'd just move, go around from meeting to meeting, come out, and it, you know we're discussing because we'd done everything from shelling core, so we'd have the MEP department, would would have joinery factories, mm. we had everything. It was like brilliant, and and when you're selling a good product and stuff like that, it's it's easy. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. good, and it's all about the relationships. And you know we're there and we're buzzing, it's going well, and then suddenly I'll be coming out of meetings thinking. What just went on there? I can't remember what went on there. And then I started missing the odd meeting. I was thinking, this, oh, I don't know what. And then socially, I stopped not wanting to go out and not see people. And I started to sort of go to like a cafe and just sit there by myself all yeah. day and just like hide away and stuff. And just, and it was bizarre. I was just constantly like getting worse and worse. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd find myself going out with Steph and that and we'd go drinks around someone's house or something like that and suddenly I'd be sat in the corner like just not wanting to talk to anyone. Whereas before I was like, yeah, let's yeah. have a laugh, yeah, let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly it was like, right. And then my performance started going. Mike had left Dubai as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly what went on because that's when my memory started yeah. going again. And, and suddenly it was like, I was there just thinking, I've just lost, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like I just, and suddenly I'm not performing how I should perform and stuff like work. So then if you haven't got a work visa, you can't live there, your kids can't go to school, things are expensive. Yeah. So suddenly like, right, I'm gonna have to move. And we literally said, right, where should we go? And we weren't ready to come back to the UK. So we looked at the map and said, right, what's between? And we see Cyprus and we went, right, let's go there. So in a matter of three weeks, we'd moved, thing, rented a house on the internet a uh, friend of a friend had someone there in Cyprus, so they went and checked the house, said, yeah, there's got doors on, there's windows, yeah, it, it looks all right. <laughs> so we turned up and that was it with three young kids there. And and it was all right there. I met a real good bloke, Pete there, who's, who once again, he sort of saved me there as well. Mm. And I used to go out, but I'd be sat in the garden, drop the kids off at, I don't know, half seven, I think it is there. They start quite early there. And then I'd, I'd go to the gym sometimes and, and I'd sit downstairs on the bike in a dark room by myself, just like no lights on and stuff. And then I'd go home and I'd sit in the garden and if the kids weren't there, I'd be like, oh, my missus weren't there. I was just, I'd be in tears just thinking what's going on. And I'd just be, I just didn't know what was going on. And people, I had money owed to me and people weren't paying the money. It was like a nightmare. Like, like I said, I got down to about £4.76 in the, in the bank account and then one of my good mates I messaged him said look can you speak to our other mate who run the company that owes me the money and he went sorry sorry brother sometimes you just got to look after yourself wow. and it was like mm, alright so then I spoke to another mate and he got the payment done Okay. and then it got to the point like we need to go home we need to get so we're talking here 2018 19 yeah yeah and did you did you feel in yourself something was getting worse when you were out in Cyprus? I just I couldn't. I just didn't understand. Like I, was, like I said, I was just emotional. I just just didn't want to speak to people. It was just I don't know. And then, but suddenly in my mind, like that's when like with Steph and the kids, I'll be talking about stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you, you've said this," or 
you promised to do this. I'm like, no, I didn't. That's a, and it weren't until the kids started going, oh, they can talk properly. And they say, oh, dad, no, no, you, you did say. And I was like, really? And then you end up, well, I end up getting more angry yeah. with myself, but you end up like shouting at everyone else. Because yeah. suddenly, like, you do, you go, I was scared. Yeah. And then sort of, because I just didn't have a clue what was going on. Then I came back here and it was like a bit of a rejuvenation period and up up in up in Cheshire Way. I always say this might not be good, but I always say, you know, I believe in charity, so I married a scouser. <laughs> <laughs> but not that much to live in Liverpool. So yeah. I, I went near Half, there. Halfway else. <laughs> uh, but I was I'd say like I do love Liverpool going in there and yeah. stuff and that. But you know, just so we have a laugh and and um I, I was taking the kids to school one day and then this bloke Gary um, came and he's, he's oh how are you doing mate yeah he just started one of these blokes just chatting to your old boy yeah. and um, fit as a fiddle and he said to me, oh if you ever want any work we've got a, a water company and stuff like that we just dig out the big pipes and all this sort of stuff if, if you want to do it and I was like yeah right yeah I'll come do it and he was like oh really I was like yeah yeah I'd love to like because I I was just struggling to be yeah. honest I was like so I've done the old poker face, like yeah, 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 yeah I'll do that. Like just thinking, this is brilliant. Like and yeah. and my missus said it really perked me up because I sort of working out on the tools with yeah, the lads, brilliant. digging holes and stuff like that. They're fixing the big aqueducts and mm. stuff like that, and and the lads there as well. You know, you, it's hard like in offices now with yeah. how polite you have to be all the yeah, time yeah, and yeah, what yeah. you have to say and yeah. that and and also like so I was there and all of a sudden like I'd, I'd be going up the van though the van would be sometimes half a mile away or whatever, and you'd walk to the van to get some, and I'm thinking, what am I coming here for? I wouldn't have a clue what I was trying to get. And then Alex Popham called me yeah. and said, you know, I'm going through this, and he started telling me, and I was thinking, all right, yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, so I went back home and talked to Steph about the conversation of how he'd been out cycling, forgot where he was, and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And like, he was on the pitch, absolute arsehole, proper Welsh yeah. arsehole, yeah, off yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. One of the Lovely. nicest blokes you'll ever Lovely, meet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, just lunatic on the pitch. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. But he just, yeah. but then he said like he start, he was getting like issues off it. Yeah, and it was like bloody hell. And so, so straight away that was an alarm bell for me because I'm thinking, oh, you're like a really nice bloke. I'm a bit of an arsehole at times. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to be careful here. Sort of thing. And yeah. So we're there and and then I spoke to Steph and Steph was like, can you not see who that is? And I was like, no, what? And she went, that's exactly you. Wow. And I was thinking. Oh, so then I started, I said, look, go for some tests. So because of COVID and stuff, they'd done like a test over the phone. You had like an interview for an hour and a half yeah. and they were doing stuff. And then it was like, yeah, you've got problems here. And they said, it's, you know, so we need to get the proper tests and scans yeah. done. So I was like, okay. So I had a doctor come to my house and uh, and it's weird. It's like, because like when I'm talking, I'm all right if I'm talking about stuff. And then other times I just go off mm. and... They, um, I was there and it was like a memory test thing where she says 20 words and then you have to sort of say the words back to her and then she'll tell the words again and you say it back and then you do another mind game and they say the 20, the 20 words again. But it was like, I was saying it and like the top score was like four mm. and then I, it was just it was just going. It was yeah. like one, two's fine and then three comes in and it's like wobbly, then four comes and then the others go and yeah. then it just keeps and I was and I can remember that was the first time when I thought I'm really I'm really in the shit here yeah. like I'm 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 in trouble mm. and I can remember breaking down apologising she's like don't don't apologise 
and Steph's nan had just passed away of dementia. Mm. And the woman interviewed Steph separately. And when she went, I didn't know this at the time, but Steph had interviewed and said, turned around to her and went, it's really weird. It's like, he's like his, my nan who's, yeah. who had dementia. Mm. She said, it's, it's just like that. But I know it's not because he's too young. And mm. then it was like a sort of thing. And then of course it came through and we had to have a phone call after the scans. Um, and that's really like when I went for the scans, you go for like in the big machine, yeah. like the old, duh, 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 yeah. and it's, what is it? It's three letters, I can't remember. It's not MRI, I know that it's a different one, more yeah. in depth one. Yeah. And when you go in, they have to screw your head down and they tell you not to touch the sides. I don't mean true, if you had one, you're, you're all right. If I have one, I'm like literally yeah. like, and the thing is I said to him, I'll go to sleep. And they went, and they laughed. They went, no, oh, no, you went. I went, I'll go to sleep. And literally as I'm going in, uh, they sort of wake me up again and they go, oh, Steve, can you wake up? You need to be awake for this moment for the brain things to be mm. working. I'm like, yeah, you're all right. And then suddenly, oh, Steve, Steve, you've fallen asleep again like, over the microphone. Mm. And they were like, that is so impressive. We've never known someone that can sleep just like that. And they're just straight up. <laughs> and they're just like, I said, I told you. And they went, yeah, but we'd never thought yeah. it would be like that. And and then it took a few weeks after that to get the results. And it was like a phone call. And I can remember saying, um, to Richard the solicitor, he said, look, they've got your results. They want to speak to you tomorrow. And I said, have you seen them? He said, I've seen a bit of it, yeah. And I said, tell me. And he's like, Steve, it's all the information the doctor should tell you. And mm. I said, I just said, look, mate, I said, I just want to know, like, just tell me simply, is it bad or not? And he was like, yeah, it's quite bad. I was like, right, fine. And then, so it was one of them, right, yeah, got it. Because all the way before that, it's, I'm absolutely fine, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, then there's other times I think, oh my God, I've got it, I've got it. Yeah. And then suddenly, oh no, I haven't. So then to actually get a diagnosis, yeah. was like, and the specialist sat down, and he was like, you know, it's, he said, it's quite bad. He said, look, you're looking at the scans, and on the scans, if you've got a pinprick of yellow, it's a significant brain injury. And on my scans, there's like big yellow slugs really? going through the middle and stuff. And then like explained, I was like, well, why is it in the middle and not, Mm. on the front and the back because mm. you think where it hits the skull yeah. I said because it hits one way hits the other way then the brain shrinks yeah. so it literally that's where it causes the damage and then with that where it started and it's and Steph went oh if you see someone with a one-off ac accident with all this damage and he was like oh yeah so she sort of relaxed went, oh okay and he went no they're dead if you get that much damage in one go oh, it was like a head-on car crash yeah. you're dead and this is the difference between like the big concussions and these sub concussions, yeah. the killers that yeah. come from training and stuff like that. Yeah. And so we're there and it's like, say I'd, I'd done this 80,000 times to my arm, mm. that bit there would be dead, mm. but my arm would learn to work, work around yeah. it because it's taken yeah. so long. Whereas if you just do one bang, that damage, your yeah. arm would just be gone. Yeah. And that's like, what's that in simple terms? Because mm. I need everything simple mm. even before that mm. so you know you understand it's like and like with Steph and I like bless it she's like so tough and Steph but that night she was in bed and she's like got upset and she's like she's like because we, we always like say about growing old together and yeah. stuff like that. she's like it's not gonna happen now is it and suddenly it was like Pff. and then you know we'd licked our wounds I think for I've licked my wounds a lot longer and that and whereas you know, there's times where we just use dark humor as well. You know, my, my kids are just 
hilarious. Yeah. And uh, Sren, the older one, she, there's times when I'm there and I'm stuttering and I'm looking and I'm thinking, I know your name, I know your name, I know your name, but it just doesn't come to me. And yeah. I'm like there and she'll go, three guesses or it's a fiver. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just, like, right, okay. <laughs> or, or you got like slow, we call her Pony, our eight year old. She's like, you say, oh, have you done your homework? Mm. Oh, I forgot. Remember that time when I walked into the cupboard door and that, yeah, I think I've got dementia. <laughs> And you're like, you little shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like, already. And we're like, but they're straight away, they're like, put yeah. it, you're like, right. And, but then the big one, and I love, and she still does it to this day now, um, Sassy. She's the, um, what is she, six now? Ten. How old are the three kids? Ten, four, ten, four. eight, six, and four. All living with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh. they're there, and, um, was it they like Sassy? It must have all come out in the news, and they were at the school. They came back, and Sassy, she's one of them. I love it's, it's good because it's like you have to earn her cuddles. Yeah, Sren comes and cuddles me sometimes. Yeah. Like, what do you want? Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Pony's like just loving, caring type yeah. person anyway. With Sassy's a bit like standoffish, and all of a sudden, if she's having I love you day, you get the love. Yeah. But she just came straight in from school. She was would have been. Four, something yeah. like that. She came in, climbed on my knee, just looked at me like that, grabbed my head, and then kissed my head. And I was like, oh, what's that for, darling? And she went, you've got a poorly head, so I want to kiss it better. And it was just like, right, okay. And I spoke to Steph, and I think some of the parents have been talking about it, and she was outside, and um, she still does that every day now. Wow. When I see her. So every time I get to go away, like she kisses my head, you know, bedtime, I'll kiss her sometimes and then say, oh, 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 and she'll come running down and she kisses my head amazing, and stuff like mate. that. And um, it's just funny how like, how kids are around yeah. it and stuff. Like now we just use it as funny or, you know, there's days where I have to sleep, you know, a lot of times and, and now they just around me, do you know what yeah. I mean? They're fine. Like, giving you love, mate. Yeah, and they've just, sometimes if I'm asleep on the sofa, they'll come and like lay on top of me and just put a film on for them. Yeah. And then that, that's like daddy time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're there and sort of, and I can feel it, it's like a big blanket on me, but yeah. it's like the kids like just that's laying on me. That's all the love, mate. Full and, of beautiful kids yeah. and a beautiful wife supporting you. And you know, when you when you do that, it's like, you know, it, that's what keeps me going. But you know, there's been times, you know, before I was on the medication and stuff. What sort of medication I've, are you on? Uh, it's like that search sertraline or steroid and what's steroline. that what, what's that level the do? way they've it sort of levels you out because because i was so up and down like when i was anxious like i've, I've there's a doctor uh gavin newby who contacted me and said look i think i can i'd like to try and help you and stuff like that i said right brilliant and um he's the one that explained it all about like the energy of your brain and lack of it and the injuries and what it does to it and you know if if it hadn't been for Dr. Gale I'll be dead now 100% a couple of times I've been like at the train station and stuff it's like and he's one that told me so I whenever I go away what do you mean you'd be dead now if it weren't for him I, I would have killed myself like it's just sometimes it just gets really bad so when I have like I have this now yeah. I used to do it on my arm but now it's easy with it and if you smell it that's like Steph's perfume oh man and it's yeah. like so when you start feeling anxious and stuff yeah it's like i just bring that back yeah that feeling back feeling back and that and he taught me that and then he was saying like the thing with my brain now he said it's like um 
the old Nokia phones. And the Nokia phones, yeah. you, you, you charge them for 12 hours, pull the thing out, and suddenly yeah. it would be dead within an hour. Yeah. So that's what your brain's like yeah. now. And he, he came around and I'd had a bad couple of days, but then he, he sat down and he just like, looked out my back garden, all, my, all the bushes had been cut, the garden was looking really pristine and good and stuff. And he's like, did you do all that? And I was like, yeah, he's like, in one day? And I was like, like all proud, he went, yeah, yeah. Mm. And he was like, you're an idiot. Mm. He said, look at you now. He says, you can't, you can't do it anymore. And even though I, like I train and before I was, um, on on the the medication, I was training a lot on the uh, Peloton and all that sort of. Stuff. I was yeah. hammering that, hammering that, and in lockdown, this is lockdown because I was working. But then yeah, yeah, and then also just carried on yeah. like fitness and stuff. But then suddenly I've taken like the medication now, and it's just, and this is like another bit where it's hit me. Like it's, and I had to speak to Dr. Gavin about it. It's like I feel like a part of me's died. Like on the medication, like that arsehole that it sounds like someone come in the house or something, something bad went up. Yeah. I don't feel like I've got that. I just feel like I'm like, I drive like in the slow lane in my yeah. car now, it's 70 yeah. mile an hour, 60 mile an hour, even on the yeah. motorway, but just because it's easy. And that was, I was always, well, oh, we've got to yeah. go, got to go, go. And that's, and it's, it's a nice, don't get me wrong, it's a nice feeling, but then it's, it does feel like. It's always been that bit of arsehole that kept me working yeah. hard, kept me pushing, kept me going, and suddenly I haven't got that now because it's where everything's changed. Out, isn't it? And I said, yeah. like, you know, it's good, but on the other hand, I do feel like a part of me's died. Mm. And he says, look, you know, you just got to go with it. Like, yeah. and and I see my life now. Really, my life's, I've, you know, I'm in this way now and stuff, and it's like it's happened. But I need it for my kids. I've yeah. I've got to try and fight for my kids because I'm saying. When it, you know, it could be a couple of years, you know, you talk to Dawn Astall, who'd be perfect to come and, and do yeah. this if she'd do it. Her, yeah. her dad's an absolute le legend of West Brom and yeah. England. And, you know, he he got, di well, he diagnosed with, with dementia and that. And then he was the first person in England to have CTE. Yeah. He went after death, they cut open and see it. And she's been fighting for that for like 20 years. Mm. And, you know, to see her fighting and stuff like that it's like I. my thing is I want my kids to come and see me not have to come and see me yeah. in a few years and you know we're looking now at what do we do like because homes and stuff like that you look like not even 100 grand a year and that's for normal people you know if if, if you put me in a home and like, I'm big and I'm not working properly and stuff like that you're looking at probably two free carers yeah so you know you're looking at price and stuff and that this is the worrying thing about it and you know there was three of us two, three years ago that had come out. Now there's over 300 that have been tested and, and done, and it's just growing more and more, like the waiting list for people to get, and it's all walks of life. It's all amateur rugby, professional rugby, do you know what I mean? And how many, players, how many players who may have it don't even know they got it? And that's the thing. Cause At our age group. And there's, there's some of it, I call it, that are still, on the uh, breast of rugby, yeah, literally earning their money from it, and they well, they're not wanting to speak up yeah. because they're running off what getting yeah. paid by the rugby clubs or by the RFU, yeah, and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, when I first came out, like people, mainly women, to be honest, were on social media just slagging me off. It's private message saying it's disgusting. Like you've broken my my son's dream. I used to respect you. Now I don't. 
we hope your kids get injured and die. And joking, all this. No, it was like, and so, like, when, so when this all come out and you come out with Alex and yeah. whatever, you're saying you got this abuse? Yeah. Because I think people are like, oh, they're just, they're just in it for the money. They're just trying to, it's like, no. Like, you're not interested in the money. This, this, like you said this, before, yeah. this is... This is real. Bad. This yeah. is like, like what's happening is ridiculous, and it's it's been played down and not talked of and stuff like that. And you're just like, you know, there's um, Sam Peters. His books just come out now, and he's he worked in the press and he was a rugby journalist and stuff. And I went to meet him, and he was saying, look, he'd rear his head up, and then suddenly people would get like free trips to Twickenham yeah. and all it, and suddenly the story would go yeah. and stuff yeah. like. That. And it was just it was just like unbelievable what was going on. And you see, and you're like. You know, now you look back and now it's here to stay. And, yeah. and the way it is, it's just gone around the world. Yeah. And they're trying to change it. And, the, you know, with us, we wanted to save the game. I, you know, I love the people in rugby. You know, would I let my kids play tackle rugby now? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No way no. on earth. No way. And with scrum caps? Doesn't matter. That doesn't do anything. American no. football. Yeah, yeah. The brain, the brain's floating. Mm. If it stops with something on the outside, mm. it doesn't matter because the brain's still. Mm. And that's a false sense of security, if yeah. anything. And um, and like I said years ago, the junior rugby was different. It was like uh, flies around shit, really. Yeah, follow the ball. They're literally, like, yeah, the, everyone yeah. just running around yeah, yeah. and just yeah. you know, and you're like pass the ball and backwards now, and even, passing that. even my little nine-year-old now, it's like take the ball up, bang, yeah. down, pop bang it's like wow defensive line defensive line so yeah. all the defense yeah. oh defensive line defensive line it's yeah. like it's been drilled to me it? like touch rugby and all that it shouldn't even just be about backward passing it should be two teams yeah. running around in space peripheral vision flicking the ball passing yeah agree. Play, playing like you know yeah. keep ball yeah and it's like can you get to 10 can yeah. you get to this and st and then build up you know there's no need to to just literally all the it's, it sounds like it's, it's rugby league. Rug, yeah. Rugby unions come rugby league, yeah. but with rucks, mm. really. The way that take it up, take mm. it, bam, bam. Which, you know, I, I used to love rugby league. Yeah. I, I don't ever want to be one of these people that's, oh, you've just ate yeah. rugby league. It's, it's not, but there's there's two different sports for a reason. Mm. And, you know, it's suddenly like it's like this tackle height thing. Mm. You know, the rugby league came in to that big, high, wrap it up, and all yeah. that stuff. It was always tackle below the shoulder. Yeah. You know, it's always round the way, slide down. Yeah. You know, and I know things change, and I don't want to sound like an old git and stuff, yeah. but it's like, what happened with rugby? Rugby's grown so much without people actually watching yeah. what was going on, and all of a sudden now this has happened, and it's a bit like, what do we do? And people blame this, blame blame that as well, like us for people dropping out of rugby and yeah. stuff like. That. You, you got COVID. Then like there's the junior clubs up near me, like you got the fat lads mm. that I was working on water with and talking to some of them and some other lads and you look at it like now they're taping training, they're taping games yeah. and everything like that. So the old props used to be there, like yeah. the bar afterwards, they've got away from the missus, yeah. so I haven't got the ear H come training. All of a sudden in training now They've been clocked. They've been clocked. Yeah. Everything's clocked like, Oh, you are just lazy, you're this, yeah. uh, it's yeah. like I get that at home. Why, yeah. why? Why am I coming here? Yeah. And then, self-employed, they get injured. Yeah. And years ago, you'd have heard of the odd person in Northampton. Oh, he's popped a shoulder. This bloke from Men's Own or yeah. something like that. That's what. Whereas now, it's like you're getting three, four, five, six, seven a year of like big injuries yeah. within in the men's section yeah. alone. If they're self-employed, they're not getting in the in the mm. van on Monday. They're not getting paid. Mm. 
there's no there's no thing out there and then also they're there and they're like at the bar on the Saturday oh yeah I made I see that big tackle I've mm. done and I've run the ball mm. and they're like well let's, let's have a look at that oh look you look crap look yeah. like oh you're waddling along and all. so it's <laughs> yeah. a bit like why, why so yeah. that yeah so the whole thing's come professional yeah. even at amateur level so yeah. it's a bit like yeah and also the scary part is like us for a year mm. we could all go and play on the same pitch on Saturday mm. so you could have someone in, like an office person mm. then you could have a farmer who's just got brute normal yeah. strength then you got a gym bunny like Hask yeah. who, and then suddenly they're all on the pitch because the bloke that works in the office is quite clever so yeah. he and he understands rugby and stuff mm. and suddenly they're meeting and, and it's not an invasive sport anymore Yeah, it's a full contact sport it's a violent legalised sport so it's like mm. so organised you can't hide anymore yeah. even at that level yeah I just want to go back pick up and say before you got on the medication how would you react to things? Would you be short and snappy with things? Would you ever get road rage? Would you ever get upset with your family? Would you ever snap at things around you? Um, it was more like, you know, you get road rage, like shouting and screaming, getting yeah. all like, but yeah, like with the family, you'd, like you just, just be in a bad mood. Like it's, it's weird. And, and the worst thing someone can say to you is like, oh, what's wrong? It's like, oh, oh, I don't know, yeah, I, don't, like, yeah. I, I don't know, or, you know, whereas now, if there's something wrong, I can go, oh no, it's just, that's upset me, or something like that, yeah. I can work, whereas then, you just, you just feel like, you just feel terrible, and then, in my mind, it's like an out-of-body experience, I'm thinking, I'm being an arsehole here, mm. but I can't, like, stop it, stop it, and mm. and you're just not, and it's mm. like, I, I, and it was just, that, and then it would spiral me even more, and then suddenly I'm thinking, you know, I can't work, you know, I can't do, good jobs anymore like I can't go on sites because if someone else gets injured they won't get their insurance because yeah. it's like he was on site so he was supposed to be looking after him yeah. and so, so suddenly my work life that I thought he had has shrunk massively with a, and then also the opportunities because of what's going on with me has shrunk it even more whereas yeah. I always thought I'd be one of these blokes you know obviously there's heart attacks there's all yeah. this other stuff but I thought I'll be one I'll just work forever I, I enjoy it go out work you know yeah. even when I was out digging the old sweeping the road and stuff mm. I loved it do you know what I mean just out there just yeah. singing to myself and even my missus said like you know I was on board of directors and stuff like that and management teams back in Dubai mm. where she said the happiest she's known me is when I was out on the tools with the lads just having a laugh and stuff Brilliant, and now mate. you can't really do that it's like yeah, and then they so they said, look, we'll see if we can get you this night work. Yeah, and so what are you doing for work as we sit today? Um, I'm with Medigold, which is an occupational health company. Yeah, um, and it's like into brain injury and mental health because mm. a, a big part of their mental health, or well, a big part of their business, is mental health, and I think a massive chunk of mental health problems is actually brain injury that people yeah. don't know. Like, it's, you know, you go skiing, mm. so you imagine you go up, fall over, mm. bang your head. Don't think anything of it. Yeah. Have a couple of drinks that night. Come back to work. Three, four, five weeks later, all of a sudden you start feeling lethargic. Yeah. Things don't. You you'd never put that to the skate. To the skate, yeah. You just think the first thing you say is stress. Mm. Oh, stress at work. My mental health's a bit out, out. But it's not. You've injured your brain. Yeah. And your brain's. But, but it's that's how long it can take. Yeah. And um, it's like for instance, dad spoke to me few months ago now and he was saying look I just want to thank you and I was like oh what's that for and he said my son was playing a game and he said he got knocked out and he went actually no I, I, 
What was I saying then? Your mate, you were with your mates and his son got knocked out. Mate, tell me about the tell me about the court case. Tell me where we're at today with the court case. Uh, How many players involved? Who's involved? What stage are we at? There's like hundreds, hundreds are involved now. So it's like a who are the originals? Yourself and Pops, Pops, Alex Popman. Yeah. Okay. And when did that start? What year did that start? About two years ago, we started the process okay. and stuff. And like, where and where were we? Where how has that journey been for you over the past twenty four months? I think like you, it was stressful at first because you're thinking right, let's let's get it going, let's get yeah. it going, and people going, oh, it will take years and stuff, and then, but then once again, it's like I'm one of these. Like there's there's clever people out there in the world, and there's people that do their jobs and stuff like that, and that's that's that now. That's I can't think about that. I can't do. I don't. You know, we'll get updates now and then, but for me, that process that's down to the solicitors and the barristers and all that because yeah. I can't I can't affect that. Yeah. What I can try and affect now is having a better life for my kids and then also trying to help other people. Yeah, brilliant. So, you know, you can you can it can put your mind into a spin like, mm. oh, you know, what's gonna go happen? What's and it's like, well, it is what it is and mm. I'm a bit skeptical about it because I always think, you know, you look at these we're up against a massive beast here, yeah. and it's like. And the beast is who? Well, uh, it'd be like well rugby and RFU yeah. and everyone like that. And you look at it and you think the little man never wins. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It's I, like I, I disagree. Yeah, I think it's all going to come. It's all going to fall into place. But for me, it's the changes that we need, and we, yeah. we need people to say, you know, there is a link. Yeah. So don't deny it. You know. Australian rules, rugby league, yeah. all this stuff, coming out going, well, actually there, there is a link. Yeah. Once that happens, then you start, we can put stuff in place to start helping the future generations yeah. Yeah. and helping and making rugby more aware. There's, don't worry, there's, there's risks in everything. Mm. You get people, oh, I knew what you're doing. I knew what I was doing. No, you didn't. No. Because we weren't educated about yeah. it. Yeah. So straight away, you're just lying. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And if you did, you were in the wrong job. You should have been mm. the one they advising then. Um, so when we do that, it's like just then we can come up with a plan and, and yeah. we can and then we can look after the is people that are plan, really suffering. Is there a plan going into place right now? And you said that you two were the start, you and Alex, you and Pops. How many players you, how many players are, are have come forward and had scanned? Do you say three hundred odd? Yeah. It's They've had scanned and oh, and every yeah. one of those scans to say you have got brain damage. Damage and that, yeah. And is there in that three hundred odds, is there some people with bigger brain damage than Others. Yeah, yeah. Is there a yeah. pool of people with brain damage the size of the yellow yeah. slug you were talking yeah. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's a load like that, and then there's like the ones that aren't as bad, I think. But I haven't seen any other. I speak to the lads. I haven't seen any other scans. I haven't, I haven't seen the diagnosis and stuff because it's one of them. It's I try and speak to the person and see like how's it affecting you, yeah. like what you know. Can I put stuff in place like I like Dr. Gavin has for me? Yeah, and that's the scary thing. Like you, you try and go to the NHS. You try and there's nothing. No, there's nothing there no, at all. Okay, and I don't want to slag the NHS off yeah. because you know they've done. Yeah, mate, the people in it, Amazing. people running it, yeah, a joke. But yeah. the people actually there, yeah, agree. And it's like right, so we've got to come out with ways now. And I've been so lucky, and I hate saying this. Like the only reason Dr. Gavin at first got involved with me was because of what I've done and who I am. And yeah. And I hate saying that because, yeah. like, you know, but so now Dr. Gavin is a, just an amazing human being. It's yeah. like, right, 
obviously he's got his own life that he's he's got his own business and stuff. Yeah. But it's like right, I'm starting up a foundation. Foundation is called Head On. Yeah. And it's not about sport. Yeah. It's for brain injury and early onset dementia and mental health yeah. and we're going to try and get groups together. That's the whole point of raising yeah. awareness, raising money so we can go out and we can help help people. Guide. Yeah, there's a, yeah. you know another chap that I speak to. I don't want to mention his name, but he got run over. Yeah. So he's what ex-player? No, 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 no. Just okay, a, just okay. Just you know, normal chap working a normal job, got a good job running uh, warehouses or something like that. Gets run over, boom, brain injury, out yeah. of it. Yeah. Got young kids, got stuff like that. It's like, so what do you do? Like all of a sudden. Imagine if you, you're not insured properly, you're yeah. not like that, you know, yeah. goes through a court case, mm. like your mortgage got, got to be paid, yeah. everything's got to be paid. You got, you know, it sounds but like in my house now, I'm having to put all the bills over to Steph. Yeah. Everything's, you know, where it was a team and I do my bit, you should do her yeah. bit. And then, you know, now I'm having to try and, in my mind, put things in place, put like teacher mm. to do stuff and take responsibilities and stuff. And it's like that. It's things like that that hurts me more than anything. Is like having to do that because yeah. you think you know, and, and I do it like on Friday. I just hit the wall and I was just like so tired. And I'd had an amazing day on. I think it was Tuesday. I'd gone to a school, um, and it's for kids on their last chance. They've all been expelled, yeah. and they've all you know, some are involved in the county lines mm. and all this, and you, and they're just just amazing kids mm. like some of them i'm sat there and we're having discussions about my past mm. and stuff and there's a kid in the corner asleep i mean kids walk in and who the fucking look at the size of you you fucking you know, and it's all like, and you're like at first you've got to get used because you're in a school <laughs> yeah. in my environment and you're like all right mate how are you then yeah. you're right yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then but it's i could see when i was speaking to him we speak to, like, speak to like the, the different age groups and the work the teachers do, mm. the work for like, and the kids there as well. Like, there's some that you'd never want to give up. Don't get me wrong. There's some you think you just, yeah, it's hard. Like, yeah. and and there's some like they was talking, and suddenly they came closer, mm. and suddenly then by the end of it, you're talking to him like, yeah. you know, what do you want to do and stuff. And one of them was brilliant, and because he he's he said I can't wait till I'm 14, and he's only he said, I can't wait till I'm 14. He said then I can get a job like washing pans, yeah, a, a pot washer yeah. because he said. I want to get involved in like being a chef and yeah, stuff like that. And he's like, and and it's not like this. You, some of them like, yeah, I'm gonna be a gangster. I want to. I'm gonna get a big car and I'm yeah. just gonna sell drugs and yeah. and all this. And they're talking like that. Whereas these, the other ones, they're like, I don't want. I don't want to be here. Yeah, like, I've, I've know I've messed up and I know like, but this is what I want. Mm. And I've got problems because I do lose my temper and stuff like. That. And mm. then you see them and you think, do you know what? And it's even if you can say one of them. And turn it around. Mm. It's like what yeah. what needs to be done. Good and, for you, man. And so I've done that, and that's the thing with emotional. Like, if I get angry, I get drained. But if I get really happy, it drains me even more. Okay. And then, then I done coaching. I mean, and then Thursday, I just felt myself going. And then Friday, like, that's me. Mrs. took the kids to school. I'm like in tears, just like I can't like. I just feel useless. I just like I've had enough. I, 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 that everyone they're better off without me, and you're just there and you're just like it's just, it's just tiring. When mm. like because I had that, <clears throat> so that if I needed to work, I just go and do anything. Yeah. Whereas now I can't, and I'm just like, 
what 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 do I do? Like what and suddenly, you know, you're another story and stuff like that for someone and you you sort of gets me up to try and help them. Yeah. But then suddenly, you know, it just it's just another nail in my coffin thinking there's just more people, like it's just horrendous. And <clears throat> you get like stories as well of at a, a school down. How were you? How were you on that Friday? Just gone. I was. I was ready. Like Doctor Gavin, I spoke to Doctor Gavin because I thought I'm in trouble here. And this was like one of the first times I've really called him because I was like, Steph had gone out, and I was just thinking I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to go and from the train station, bomb done. And I was just like, so I'm talking. I'm thinking like, I need the kids. I need the kids. And Steph, and then. Can I just hold you there, mate? Your family is everything, mate. Steph and your kids are absolutely freaking everything to you, mate. You're not a burden to them whatsoever. It's just, when you think about it though, it's like, I don't know, it's like disappointing. I know when you just, I just can't be what I want to be all the time. You know, and just like. Mate, you're an amazing human being, Tomo. You're loved by so many people and your four kids, mate, and your wife. You know, so then you know, Steph came back and uh, <coughs> she's like, we just went out for, went to the tip, little thing. It was like on my to do list. It's like, right, I've got to get myself back up. So it's like, went the tip, and suddenly it's like, I've done something. I've done something. You know, yeah. if, on my daily jobs, it sounds like this is like to make myself is like pick up the dog shit in the garden, do that like three times a day, and like yeah. <laughs> that's. Yeah, that's a good thing in my life now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and then suddenly when you sit back, and you think, you know, it's a bit different than it was. But you know, it's, and then we went and had breakfast, and it's like you know, just a like a good chat, and then you just like I said, just feel like in that little bubble with yeah. Steph and I, and just get, it. and then it's like right, have a nap in the afternoon. So I had a, a, like lay down on the sofa with Steph, have my head, and she'd like just. So, and then I'll just sleep for a couple of hours and then, then I'll just start coming out. Yeah. And then... Uh, are you re are you recognising all of these since being on the medication? Are you recognising when you're feeling... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but I think I'd... I just... For a moment, I just thought I was normal again. For a bit. Not, not, I know it's like... But what, well, you felt that when she came back home, are you saying? You yeah, felt normal again? I felt, yeah, I felt like... I can just keep going, yeah, and and I'm good. And then suddenly I could feel it a little bit coming on, and you're a bit like, and and you think, oh yeah, I'm sort of bulletproof again. I'm fine, you know. This yeah. is, and you do. You, there's days when you think, oh, it's it's not real. Like it's yeah. fine. I'm I'm good. I'm good. And then yeah. suddenly, bam! It, and like I said, it just came on, and I just fell apart, and just like, but uh, yeah, it's because Sven was away at school. Um, a school uh, trip mm. in London, so uh, you know I take a friend as well to um, footy training, footy and, training. Stuff, yeah. and that was brilliant. Is that, do you feel Best like if you feel like you got safe havens in places in yeah. the week? You're going I'm taking my girls footy training. I've got my wife there for lunch. I'm going for. Have you got safe havens yeah. everywhere? Yeah, okay. totally that. And if you take yourself out of that comfort zone of those sofas, how does that make you feel? Is it I'm like anxious okay. and stuff like that? Like you know, it's <clears throat> it's weird. Like I used to. Like the day before, it used to be horrendous. Like I used to just end up arguing with Steph. The day before, you got something planned. Yeah, to okay. travel and stuff, and just try and 
talking about of like not doing it and stuff and and then you know just like no I'm not doing it yeah. and stuff like that and you know when I'm on a high it was like when I'm on the medication when I went on the medication like because you have the highs mm. I used to organize everything yeah yeah I can do it and then suddenly reality comes and then I, then I hit a low as well and then I did an even lower low because I'd have to call everything off yeah because I went in the and it was just like what is so you know doing stuff it's it's all got to be organised. Yeah. It's got to be, and I have my new usual. Like I have Wednesday night training, uh, Thursdays mm. breakfast with my mate who I do the coaching with, then the girls go and train with the boys, and yeah. then Thursday evening to there. I'm taking another tea there yeah, to have okay. it. So you got everything laid out. Yeah, yeah, and, and then and that it, must come from the rugby days of having re everything regimented, and that regiment that's, that's taken been taken away. Yeah, I think I think that, but I've, I've they say with brain injury and dementia it's the same as well like yeah, okay. you, you want even more structure you want yeah. stuff to be the same and if it's not it's like it'd be time, well we'd book to go to a restaurant and say there's two restaurants together and we get to one yeah. and suddenly it's closed or something's happened with a book in but the other restaurant's just as good next door I wouldn't be able to go to that because yeah. that's not the plan yeah okay and Steph would be going oh my god here we go here we go and <laughs> suddenly oh, get home yeah so you know it's a big thing like for her she's doing a talk bless her and she's you know for us to do the tv and and the book because i'd never done anything yeah commercially really i played rugby and then that was it really and it was only a decision like steph's decision really mainly as well because it's like right if i come out about this right at the beginning yeah like we're we're out there we've got to you're either in or you're out so you can't just go there and then other people start coming out and then suddenly you go, well, actually, I'm just going to look after myself here. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't, you can't, and Steph was like, yeah, yeah, fine, let's do it. And so suddenly, you know, now she's going to do a talk in, at Oxford Uni and stuff. Yeah. For, and it's, I think it's brilliant, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so proud of her. And What's her talk? <clears throat> it's going to be on, like, being like a carer, really, yeah. and like the other side of, of the stories and stuff. Yeah. And, um, And she's doing it with Dr. Gavin. Brilliant. So that's, you know, that's. When's that? Do you know when in that is? May. May the. She's away for a couple of days. Okay. So, uh, you know, she's. And I'm like proud of her doing that massively. Where are you going to be when she's. she's I'll have there. the kids. Okay. Brilliant. So let her have her. Crawling all over you. Yeah, that's Quality. the thing. Like, it's, like, it's like things like. Because <clears throat> like, we've got the kids, we've got no real family network around us yeah. to, to help the kids. We're having to sort of. And that's the thing, like, we're doing stuff like and like awards nights and stuff like that. Like yeah. I want Steph to come with me, but we've got no one to look after the kids. So right, it's okay. like we're always having to do stuff Separate separately. And it's like- What's an ideal scenario for you right now for having more structure and more events to go to? Would you, would you do you like going to speak at events? Do you, or does that make you anxious? Do you like being paid to, you know, you're a, you're a rugby legend, you know, and uh, with 74 caps and British Lions here and da da da. And I don't think you kind of don't recognize that, but everyone looking in, thinks that you know and I, is there a is there a space now where you want to have more structure to go well i want to go to that rugby club and do a talk and that rugby club do a talk about this or is that not really your bag i'm not really because i haven't got the the stories and stuff like that like there's there's like nothing really there like it's like the early days but then that's it there's like people want to hear about world cups they want to hear stuff like that and there's nothing there for me like and it's so it's like if i'm doing that I'd be like a, a phony sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, 
I don't so think I don't think you would, <clears throat> mate. So you the, just yeah. walking into a room with two hundred rugby lads in there, and their wives and what have you, is enough mm, for you to get up and talk about your past and what you've done and what the, the, what you're going through. Mm. But that's that, know, would that help? Would that help other rugby players recognise that? Yeah, but so I've I've, I've started to I do the more try and do more like the the medical type ones. Yeah, I okay. Because I'm like, if I try and write stuff down, I can't because I like I start trying to read it and it my reading's not very good now yeah. so it's like this is all stuff that sort of comes in and <clears throat> that's why I've always said I'll just be up front and, and, and frank whatever comes into my mind yeah. I'll say and you know that's the thing what I want to do is I'll always be honest about it you know mm. I, I'll say when they started talking about medication I was like no chance because yeah. I'm not because a mate's mum years ago was on it yeah. and it just completely zoned her out and I was yeah. just like I'm not having that and then Dr. Gavin sort of laughed. He went, Steve, it's a few years since then. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you know. And then also, I'll, when I talk about the suicide and stuff, I talk about it because I'll, I'll put my hand up and I'll say, I was the first one when people committed suicide. And I'll be like, yeah. what have they done that for? Yeah. But uh, until you're in that moment and you like, you think you're the most selfless person at that time because you just, it's like you, you're doing everyone a favour. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's. At first, to be upset, but then suddenly they haven't got a carrier. They don't have to be involved in looking after you, worrying about you. Mm. You know, me saying I'm going to do something, and then I can't do it, and stuff like that. And it's like you know, you don't want to let them down. Mm. <clears throat> and that's what you know we do. And you know, like I said with with Mike McGee, you know, the way he went through the his battle, like yeah. like that was phenomenal. And it just you look at other people all the time, and you think, right, you know, we. Yeah, we've got to keep going, but yeah. there are times where it's dark place. Mm. Just before we finish up here, where can people find your book, and how can people contact you personally? Um, on Amazon, uh, you can get the book. What's the book called? I'm forgot. I'm forgettable because I'm I'm forgettable, <laughs> and that weren't me being thing. <laughs> uh, it's called Unforgettable. Steve Thompson on Amazon. And anywhere you can buy them online. Yeah, um, and then the TV show on BBC. Yeah, this is Steve. Well, I think Steve Thompson, Dementia and Me. I think it is. Yeah, and um, and how can people contact you if people are in this situation now or listening? It might be someone's husband, it might be someone's wife, it might be the. How can people contact you to ask questions and? Well, at the moment we've got LinkedIn, but then I'm doing the head on, so we're just going through the process of getting the the number sorted. Yeah, the charity number. Um, and then we'll be and that charity is called Head On Head On yeah. okay good for you um, and also what I'm going to do I'm gonna, I want to do a walk next year yeah which is getting a bit later on now so I know if it's going to be like June or, or July but yeah. I want to walk around the country but go to all different facilities for brain injury good for you carers man. stuff like that so if anyone's got any of these facilities like there's one in Surrey where it's a school for kids with dementia yeah um, and it's none of them been born with it. It's yeah. because of illness or an accident, yeah. and it's from nursery up to A level. Yeah, and that, and they're just constantly losing their funding wow. and stuff. And you see like that. So there's these sort of places that I want to go and I'll walk, and I won't be able to do it all in one go. Like this is nothing like I'm there. Like yeah, I'm just, I'll walk like 900 miles. It's not a problem. I'll yeah. just keep going. And Doctor Gavin's like, dark place on Friday, weren't you? Yeah. And it's like, well, do you think that's going to happen? Yeah. And I was like, and he said, look, it's just not, you know, we'll plan it properly yeah. and we'll do it, but I'm going to do it like, and go around and just raise awareness Brilliant. for it all. 
because you well, know we can all get behind that yeah and the thing is yeah. for me walking like cycling i've done the cycling thing years ago and it's like i don't want a sore ass again yeah Proper running sore, sore isn't it running this body's not running <laughs> a nice walk so walking yeah walking and i must you know i i've started getting into my walking massively and because it does sort you out and the walking community i asked about what sort of boots i should get yeah and literally so many people would like and then suddenly they must have looked up of oh who i was sort of thing like yeah. what i was suffering with and they're like I've got friends with okay, dementia yeah. that we walk with yeah, and it's brilliant. so good. So, you know, I didn't talk about the sport, like, it was yeah. just the walking. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and when you look at it like that, it was just a massive community. And I thought, do you know yeah. what? How good would it be if I was walking around? Be like in both of them. Yeah, that's right. I was about to say. And God. then like, people in wheelchairs, people in facility Can carers. Can join you for all, a mile or whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? And, and just sort of get a real sort of thing for it. And just, do you know why? Because I'm thinking, no, when you're doing something like that and you've got people walking with you and yeah. that, the people that are sort of stuck in home caring for people, yeah. we, we're thinking about them. Because yeah. that's the, you know, when I'm there in a chair, just sort of sat there like, I'm not really, gonna, I'm not gonna care. Yeah. But that, I call it the hand grenade effect around that's gone off around. Mm. Mm. You know, people give their lives up to be carers yeah. massively. And Special then suddenly, people. you know, when I die, it's like, what what's gonna be there for Steph and the kids really yeah. and stuff like that. and. And other carers, like they've cared for someone for so long, they've lost their identity, they've lost yeah. everything. And it shouldn't be like that. You know, we should be able to help people re reborn yeah. again. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. We come back and have a real, you know, get what they can out of mm. life as well. So people can get you, Steve Thompson on LinkedIn. Yeah. Send yeah. your messages. Yeah. People can get you, can people get you on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, Instagram. Um, I'll give you my email address as well for the head on. So anyone out there listening, you want to get in contact, contact Tomo on, on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram and there's an email coming now. Oh yeah. Steve Thompson at headon.org.uk. Thompson spelled T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Steve Thompson at headon.org.uk. Anyone wants to reach out, please reach out. Um, Tomo, this has been an amazing episode. And no, you're an amazing human being, mate, Cheers, with a massive heart, and you're loved by everyone. And um, do your four daughters proud and your wife. And you're doing really well, mm. mate. And we're here for you. Everyone's here for you. Um, let's get this head on. Let's get behind it. Mm. I'll help Cheers, you with mate. that. Appreciate that, mate. Yeah, I appreciate your time, mate, mm. and you're a special human. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Good man. Cheers, mate. <laughs>